Hello, everyone, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut. I hope everyone's having a great week, great start to the summer. Now that summer is officially here, the first day of summer just happened. So hope everyone has some great plans for the summer and exciting things to do. And we're almost halfway through baseball season, almost at that that all-important halfway mark. So that's pretty exciting, too. So looking forward to a lot of things coming up over the next couple months, and I'm pleased to introduce my guest that I have with me today. He does very, very good Red Sox coverage for WEEI's website, doing a lot of Red Sox articles, and I love his work. So Rob Bradford, how are you doing? Uh, Gabby, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. So I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's exciting, exciting time of year, and and uh, yeah, it's it's Listen, I mean, I could talk about this stuff. I could talk about, like, it's great. It's a great time to talk about any of this stuff. It is awesome. This is this is always a fun time of the year, especially for sports. So it's it's just, there's just a lot to look forward to. And, and we're going to get into a lot of, you know, everything. But first, before we kind of dive into that, can you just give people a little bit of a brief overview on how you got involved in working in sports? Oh, man. <laughs> it's a long story you know it's it's um I, I didn't take the normal route i guess which is i guess a good lesson for people because uh, there's no one way to do it it's not like just hey go to northwestern and and get your degree and get your master's degree and get a job i mean that happens and i get it uh i went to springfield college um i got out of springfield college i freelanced for some newspapers did some freelancing for a long time. I really didn't even have my first full-time job until I was 29. And uh, I was a sports editor of the Gloucester Times. And then I went to um, the Lowell Sun for five years, worked with some great guys like Jeff Goodman, um, Chris Price, Matt Kalman. Uh, and then went, uh, Then the first full-time uh, occasion where I covered the Red Sox was at the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. Now, when I was at the Lowell Sun, I wrote a book, which helped. Um, called Chasing Steinbrenner. I followed around Theo Epstein his first year, and that helped. And I would, you know, I just instead of just sitting around and, and I guess saying answering field hockey calls, I wanted to do something. And and you talk about just if just moving forward, and I guess that's what I did at the time. Uh, and like I said, then I covered the Red Sox at the Eagle Tribune, and I went from there to the Boston Herald, which I thought was the dream, my dream job, covering the Red Sox for the Herald, and then. 2008, EEI wanted to build up their website. I was on EEI, and um, and you know, 13 years, almost 13 years later, there you go. A lot has changed, though, Gabby. <laughs> A lot has changed, and so yeah. the advice that I would give to to people: forget about 20 years ago, forget about 10 years ago, forget about five years ago, three years ago, two years ago. This stuff is changing so so much. And, and specifically, like how we cover baseball, how we cover the Red Sox, how we cover, uh, how we do, how we work with social media, everything. And you probably see it. I mean, you probably yeah. see it, like every single, you know, the pandemic changed a lot of things, Gabby. So that's my long-winded way of saying yes. I I started at Springfield College and I landed on this awesome podcast. So there you go. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a great story. And I feel like it's cool to hear people's journey and how they got into the sports industry because everybody's stories are so much different. And it really shows that there's no just one way to do it. And there's multiple ways to to break in and and just, you know, utilize different resources to get into the industry. So it's always interesting when I talk to people and just hear how they got into it. But you're right. I mean, the industry is evolving and changing in so many different ways. And I feel like, especially with social media now, it's just a lot of people are getting their information on things now through social media. So that's just becoming a really important factor in how people cover sports now. Yeah. And, and it's it's obviously, you know, you, you talk about Twitter or uh, I mean, Twitter started and this must seem like forever ago for you. But Twitter wasn't even a thing until, let's say, 2008, something like that. And um, and then, you know, obviously that's and I remember a lot of people at our radio station, other places, and they were like, I'm not doing that Twitter thing. I'm not doing that. And all the way up until about you know 2012. And, and because of it, they're really far behind. I mean, you have to do everything you can. And I think that the biggest thing, Gabby, is that it, it, that hasn't changed from when I started to the middle of my career. It's just separating yourself, right? I mean, you're doing it with this, separating yourself with social media, separating yourself with your reporting. There's podcasts. Like, you just have to find a set way to separate yourself because there's more people than ever who want to have a voice and, and have some semblance of voice. So, yeah, I mean, that's the best way I, or best advice I could give anybody. Yeah, and I think that was one of the biggest reasons I started the podcast in the first place was just to kind of have a way to just continue to practice my skills and have a way to help me stand out among other people and just kind of taking that extra step to help with my career and and everything. And I'm really glad that I started the show because it's been a lot of fun. And I also feel like I've learned a lot so far from doing it. And I think it's just, I'm hoping that it just kind of helps me to grow and just leads me other directions as well. Okay, I mean, here's here's a reality, right? We're sitting here, like, I, I'm sure you're going to, you've done great work and you're going to continue to do great work. But you know, I know you, your work, I know you a lot better because of this and because you reached out and because we're talking than I would otherwise. And, um, yeah. and that's important. It, it's not like, you know, the people who think, and this goes to reporting too, anything you write, it's not like you just write a story and say, Hey, everybody, you know, or do a podcast. Hey, everybody come listen. It's awesome. You know, even honestly, I don't know how much you listen to sports radio, but they used to, people, you can't just do a four-hour sports radio show and say, hey, did you hear me uh, at 12.15? I had a really good point. No. I mean, you yeah. have to basically take whatever you do and smack people in the face with it. And, um, you know, I did a story yesterday on uh, Rich. I talked to Rich Hill, and he talked about he almost signed with the Red Sox and wanted to go to the Red Sox at some point. Okay, great. You know, I can, I have whatever it is, 65,000 Twitter followers, but I, it, it can't even be a, I'm doing the story and I'm tweeting it out and I'm stepping back and like, all right, everybody, come give me praise for talking. No, no, yeah. you can't do it. I mean, you, you can't be shy about this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it, much like you're getting used to it. 
I'm getting used to it. Everyone I work with and compete against is getting used to it. It's it's an exciting time, but it's daunting, man. It's daunting. It is. Yeah, it definitely can be. And it's just everything's going to continue to evolve and, and change. So I, just taking those extra steps to stand out, like you said, I think are key. And that's really good advice. And I know that's what I'm going to continue to do. So Hopefully other people take that advice as you well. Did but I appreciate- you, you did it already. I mean, you've done it already. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> you should feel good about yourself because I know a lot of people Thank who you. don't. So good for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and I appreciate you sharing all of that with us as well today. And I'm really looking forward to talking some baseball with you. It's my favorite sport. The Red Sox are my favorite team. And I just love watching games and just talking about them in general. So I'm looking forward to a good conversation with you about that. And so far this season has definitely been surprising in a good way. I think a lot of people, I don't think expected the Red Sox to be where they are at and to be performing at the level that they're at. And I had a feeling they were going to have a good season and that they were going to be a pretty good team and that they could be a team that is good enough to compete for a wild card spot. And a lot of people thought I was crazy when I said why that. Did, why did you feel but, that? Why did you why feel, did that? I feel that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, but because here's the reality is that, you know, like you said, the majority, I think their over under on wins was like about 80. Um, nobody saw them in spring training because there was 10 televised games. And unless you were listening to me on AM radio, you know, uh, it was, it was, you know, you didn't really have a good, I listen, I, I almost saw every spring training game and I still didn't have a great sense of what they were, but, but I, I'm anxious to like hear you. Why did you think that they were going to be good? Yeah. I think that because we knew that they had the hitting, and that they were still going to be able to hit really well this year. And with Alex Cora coming back, I just had a good feeling that he was going to be able to motivate them in a way that Alex Cora does that not a lot of other managers are able to do. And that connection and bond he has with his players, I felt like was going to fuel them to be able to have a good season. And by good season, I did not mean by any means, that they would be leading the division at the end of June. Okay, so did you take the, did you take the over under? Which did you take over under on eighty wins? What I did took you take your win total was my win total. I said about eighty five to ninety, Ooh. somewhere in that range. Well, no, come on, come on, eighty five. You can't do eighty five to ninety. Ninety is like ninety is oh, that's legit, right? 85 well, is, 90 is like the high, like the very high. Like, what, did, if, what number did you say when you were sitting around talking Red Sox with your friends? Oh, Michael, 85. 85. All right. Yeah, 85 is like the, I was like, I'm going to take 85 as like my reasonable, this is what I actually think is going to happen number. Okay. All right. And um, you see, again, once again, you were ahead of the curve and uh, you were right. I mean, I thought 80 was low, to be honest with you. I think I might have gone 88. I I went 88, and people were like, oh, that's a lot. I mean, well, I I did get the set. To me, Gabby, it was was very simple. It was these starting pitchers, are they going to be good enough to actually be have some semblance of consistency, right? And they, for the most part, they have been. They haven't been lately, um, which should be a concern for everybody. But uh, I think that was the that was either the the, the what's going to make them go or n- not going to make them go, Full, cut and dry, not even close. 
So, um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. And, I mean, and that's that's the biggest concern that I had, too, was the pitching and just the uncertainties there that was we were going to see with the starters. And, I mean, even the bullpen was another question mark, too, because the bullpen obviously struggled last year, as we saw. And so bringing some people in and, and just there were still question marks surrounding the bullpen, too. And so far, overall, I like what I've seen from the pitching, but there's still some concern there because lately, like you said, the pitching has not been like it was at the beginning of the season. And I think that that's something to be aware of as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. Do they make a move for pitching or do they just rely on the fact that hopefully Chris Sale is going to be coming back and that um, they don't need to make a move for another starter? Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I think that would be a mistake. If you got... If you got guys rolling, like if you got Erod and you get Evaldi and you get Pavetta, I'm not even counting Gary Richards. He's a mess right now. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he's a mess. Like, like as a person, he's just a mess right now as a professional pitcher. Um, yeah. But he, if you get those guys rolling, okay, you know you can. And Martin Perez, then you can say, all right, we're gonna semi rely on Chris Sale. But if you have to say Chris Sale is going to be our ace, that's a mistake. That yeah. is a mistake. It, it takes guys, not necessarily health, but it takes guys a while. When you haven't pitched in a year and a half or whatever it's been, it's going to take them a little bit. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a good point by you. And also, it's a good point by you about the bullpen. It's, I mean, yeah. remember, we were arguing who's going to be the closer. You know, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean some of the, some of the stupid stuff that I said in spring training is amazing, you know. It's, it's just, but you know that's why every every year I don't know if you're like this, but every year we watch spring training and we have these grand opinions based on what we see in spring training, right? Yeah. And then and then like, what were we talking about? What you know? It's yeah. it's. Yeah, so it's um, – yeah, it's, it's we try to remind ourselves every year that it, it doesn't work because we, we, we want to be right very, very quickly. At least I do. So Yeah, I agree with that. I think people form a lot of opinions after spring training and a lot of, a a lot of the times, especially this season, I feel like a lot of that's just proving to not be Oh, Franchi Cordero hit one over the barn and the practice field – He's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I mean we, yeah, we I mean too, we get too much time on our hands. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean I, I like I like it though. I like what I've seen so far. And I agree with you on the Chris Sale thing. You cannot rely on somebody coming back from Tommy John surgery to be your ace. You know, we don't know what he's going to have right when he comes back. And it, it would just be very dangerous to have him be the number one guy. And then everybody else falling in after that. I mean, I'm concerned about what I've seen from Erod this season. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because of his situation coming off of last year, but he's just been very frustrating to watch this season so far overall. And you already touched on Garrett Richards. I mean, he's kind of a mess right now. And Martin Perez. There's some some things I could say about him too. Yeah. I think it's like there you, there you go. I think I think you summed it up. Right? I mean, forget about, <laughs> the, forget about the Pres Day T-shirts. 
It should be Martin Perez dot dot dot. <sighs> I yeah. no, I don't like. I'm it's with true. you. I just like. I I I want to say, hey, KK, you know what? This is a new Martin Perez. This is a guy you can rely on. And I I think I actually wrote. I said, Martin Perez, the most reliable pitcher. And then the minute I wrote that, he had two horrific starts. So yeah. in, in, in your own words, Martin Perez, dot, dot, dot. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, does, it does definitely sum up my feelings about Martin Perez right now. It's just you can't, you can't rely on him any start, it seems like, because you never know what you're going to get when he goes into a start now, and that's just frustrating to me because you know one day he'll he'll pitch really well like when he pitched really well against the Astros and then pitched again against the Astros and just crumbled so you just really never know what you're going to get from him no I know I'm with you I mean like I, I'm totally with you I'm not buying my Perez Day t-shirt yet nope no nope. yeah no, I, would wait. I would wait on that one unless he starts to show more consistency yeah I still got the Wade Miley he's the ace t-shirt so it's good <laughs> Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I like Nick Pavetta, though, overall. I think he's been pretty good. I think the way that the Red Sox made out in that trade for Pavetta and Siebold looks like it has worked out pretty well for us so far. I mean, now that, especially now with Workman being back, I said, mm. wow, they got somebody back that they got rid of in that trade. And, you know, so far, I think Workman's been a little shaky, too. But, mm. The Red Sox, as well, of right now, seems I mean, who cares? I mean, who cares? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. and I don't know about you, but, you know, and I wrote about this with a Pavetta. You know, Pavetta, obviously, for the most part, has been pretty good. Yeah. But people like, like, the way that he pitches, right? People like the way that, like, his whole deal. Like, the, how he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And and um, people like that. And, and, you know, I talked to Josh back because um, – Beckett was Pavetta's favorite pitcher growing up on Vancouver Island. And, you know, and so remember, I mean, Beckett was this guy, you know, people, well, you know, it went sour for him at the end, but people loved like the way Josh Beckett bulldog and everything else. So I talked to him and, he's, and he was right on. He said, if you have that bulldog mentality, it buys you so much time. It gives you, you know, gives you so much rope where if you go like, uh, if you have a bad stretch, oh, okay, you know, he'll figure it out. Because we like watching him pitch. I feel like Pavetta is sort of of that elk a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that that comparison. I mean, Pavetta, he's the type of pitcher that I feel like I would be pretty okay with having to rely on as like a consistent number two or three pitcher if they do make a move for somebody else in the number one spot and they have Chris Sale back. I would say I would like Pavetta from what I've seen this season to probably be that next guy after that. Maybe Evaldi, but I still feel starter? like Pavetta has been you, better than Evaldi right who's, now. Who's your game one starter right now? Playoff start today. Was Gabby's game one starter? Based on what they have, or if they were to make oh, a no, move? no, no, I'm not saying like no, I'm not saying that you know you're going to go out and uh, someone on another team and trade the no right for this group. <laughs> could, but, this group. Um, from this group right now, excluding Chris Sale, I, I would say Pavetta as my for number Ooh, one starter. Did he? No, 
You could I mean, Evol- I've, I've almost said Evaldi, but even he has been inconsistent this season, too, that I don't know that I would be able to trust him enough as a game one starter right now if the playoffs were to start today. It's a good question, though, and it's not an easy answer, is it? I mean, no, it's not. It's really, it's really not an easy answer uh, right now. Which is, which is, I mean, th- therein lies the problem, Gabby. Therein lies the problem is that, you know, this is a good team, but it's a flawed team. And it's not to say that it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed with trades. It can't be fixed with, with, in, you know, Chris Sale or internal options or whatever. But it is a flawed team. And that question right there is the, is the one that defines that the most. Yeah, I I agree with that. And this, the pitching is what's going to make or break the rest of the season down the stretch. Because, I mean, obviously the offense is great and they're putting up runs, but you cannot rely on the offense to have to put up five to six runs every game because the pitcher can't maintain a good start. And it's concerning that the pitchers haven't been going deep into games either. And they have to turn to the bullpen relatively early in what seems like pretty much every game. And that's something that needs that we should be concerned about also that I think needs to be addressed, but the offense is not going to have it every single night either. So you can't just rely on the pitcher giving up four or five runs on a consistent basis and then just expecting the offense to make up for that every night. That's not really an approach that you can take and, and expect to just consistently be successful. No, and you do. We talk about the game one starter. You also, you said about the stars that haven't been going deep. You need, you need a guy, preferably a couple, where you say, I know they're going to go seven innings, right? I yeah. know they're going to go six. Like, and they don't have that guy right now. They don't. And, and all the good teams have that guy. You go down the list. You know, I did the exercise the other day, San Francisco and Gosman. You know, you have Dodgers have about four of them. Um, you know, the Mets, the Phillies. Uh, you know, it's – and, you know, obviously the Yankees have Garrett Cole and – and, you know, the Blue Jays have Ryu. And, and so, I mean, I can keep going down, like, all these teams. Houston has Granke. And you need that guy. I mean, you need that guy where you can say, you know what, why we're trying to figure it out, why the offense might be slumping, we know that this guy is going to be the guy. And they don't. I mean, they don't have that guy right now. So yeah. um, it's, it is sort of like we talk through it, Gabby, right? And we're, like, we're picking apart this team. And you're, once again, a genius for predicting like that they're going to have a good year. But it's like, oh, man, you know, there are a lot of things where they have to – it seems like they have to fix. But at the same time, I said that heading into Tuesday's game in Tampa, and you watch it, you watch that game, the the series opener against in Tampa, right? Yes. So you watch that game, and you're like, this is not great baseball. You know, Bobby Dobak struck out four times and Eduardo Rodriguez gave up five runs and base running stuff. It's this isn't good baseball. And then at the end of the day, they win, right? They win. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't think they were going to win. I, I had a bad feeling about how the rest of that game was going to go after Tampa tied it. I said, I just don't have a good feeling about this. And then extra innings comes along and then they made that mistake in the in the tenth inning, and then I I was like I still feel like the Rays are going to close this out in the bottom of the tenth. I just had did not have a good feeling. Then we kind of got lucky because they made a base running mistake. Uh, and I was uh, like, this game is just crazy at this point. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The last four innings, the last four innings, the Rays started 
uh, with a runner on and nobody out. The last four yeah. innings, and, and, yeah. you came away, and they came away with nothing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame you. I know your instincts are keen because of your preseason prediction and also – so I'm going to always follow, follow your instincts but because uh, you were right. I mean, you had, you had every right to have doubt about that game. I mean, just like probably people have doubt about last night's game or the, the Garrett Richards game. Yeah. I've had, evidently now he's throwing a baseball with no seams on it. Who knew? So it's yeah. – you know, <laughs> Yeah, I mean – People gave me a hard time for that preseason prediction, for sure. Yeah, because well, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. When I put up the bumper stickers, put the T-shirts, I predicted 85 wins, right? Yeah, Either. I should. Yeah. I should. You got to go. You gotta, when you have that option. And you know what? As I said, if I make a prediction, if I if I try to predict the Bobby Dahlback home run for the 100th time this year, and I tweet it. I think a Bobby Dahlback home runs coming up here. You know what I do? I delete it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, you can't let it sit there. And then I yeah. just say, hey, I deleted that, you know, whatever. But I've done that before, to be honest with you, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, what, it's, you don't want that in your timeline. Like, it's dumb. So yeah, it's, I've deleted um, stuff like that before, too, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I just – I, I – I correctly predicted Bobby Dahlbeck's spring training Grand Slam. And since then, I think I'm 0 for 50. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, I've predicted a couple home runs this, this year, but very, very rarely does that happen. When, uh, when, um, when Arroyo hit that Grand Slam against the Braves, yeah. that was super exciting. I saw a couple people predict that on Twitter. I didn't, but a couple people did. And I was like, wow, good for, good for these people. But you know what? It's like, it just, it, they always do it like later in the game. You know yeah, why? They because they're sitting around like, ah, I get nothing else to say. You know what would be funny right now? If I just, I just, I'm just going to predict this is going to happen. And then, yeah. you know, there you go. But yeah, as someone who is who is uh, miserably predicted a lot of things, I can tell you that's that's the root. So, yeah, it's it's fun predicting things like that though, because then if it actually happens, you feel good about yourself, oh, and you're well, like, "Well, I was the one that called this." Like I said, I mean, you start start putting up the printing up the T-shirts. You know, it's like yeah. you're like I predicted this to put, do that for do that for the show. Say, you know. Hey, this is the only show that predict that predicted the Red Sox were going to have a good year. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good idea, actually, though. Yeah, listen, we predicted the Red Sox were going to have a good year, and you didn't. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> Sorry. So next time you should just listen to me. Yeah, listen to us. Yeah, I'm the yeah. marketing. I'm a marketing director for for your show. There you go. I I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I mean, I'm. I'm so happy overall with, with what I've seen. Obviously, there are still concerns. Even the leadoff hitting spot has been a concern and frustrating. I don't know why he keeps having Santana hit leadoff. I do not think that that works. And even when Kike was doing it, I didn't like Kike hitting leadoff either. I think they need to change that up. I, I mean, I've, I've always said I would like to see either Arroyo consistently hitting leadoff or maybe Verdugo in that spot, but I I do not like what I've seen with Danny Santana hitting there or Kike. Yeah, so the Kike thing, I get it. Like you you thought this guy attacked early fastballs and and you like that dynamic. Give it a whirl. You didn't have anybody else. Okay, fine. It didn't work out. 
The Danny Santana thing is, it, it makes no sense. Because yeah. my thing, Gabby, is that you don't have a leadoff hitter on this team. Like you said, the closest you probably have, have is Verdugo. But if you want to keep him in number two, that's fine. You keep all those guys together. But if you don't have a leadoff hitter and you don't have a guy who's going to get on base a lot, who's going to steal bases and everything else, which you don't, then just take your hottest hitter, the guy that you want up one more time than everybody else that's not named Verdugo, Bogart, Devers, or Martinez, and put him there. And I actually – we were on a Zoom call with Cora, and I said, have you entertained – the idea of Hunter Renfro leading off uh, without that in mind. And I got the stink eye from him and like, ah, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it, he's like, well, who's going to protect Devers? And I get that, right. You know, you got to have yeah. someone there, but I think that, you know, you can take an Arroyo or you can take the next best guy, even a Vasquez and put him there and you're going to be okay. I just like I, – I like the idea of having the guy who's hot getting one more at bat. And that's why the Santana thing makes absolutely no sense. Because he can run a little bit, That I mean, this is it. He's a terrible hitter. He, he's the last guy. He's the worst hitter in the lineup, and you're saying, we're going to give you one more at bat than everybody else. Makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't get it, and – and I'm, I'm like, how long is this going to go on for? I mean, is, is he just holding out hope that he's going to start hitting better? Because that yeah. doesn't to me seem like it's going to happen. No, well, he's a history with him. I mean, I think he was very – Cora was very high on Santana coming in. Um, yeah. He had the 29 home runs in 2019. And so, all right, we get it. But the player that we've seen is not good. It's not. I mean, he has yeah. – the couple home runs out of the gate and everyone it took everyone like three weeks to understand, hey, wait, Danny Santana is it doesn't have a hit because everyone was sort of seduced by those home runs. Yeah. Uh, like the first couple of times. And then, you know, the the last game, the game that we were talking about, he gets on base in the eleventh by this sort of lucky bloop hit. I'm like, don't don't start saying, Here comes Danny Santana because of that hit. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. There's, there's. I, I am not at all confident in him as a hitter or that improving. I just think that he just is not good from what we've seen, and I'm not sure if Cora sees something that we don't, or that he just doesn't want to change it up. But no, the more that you keep Santana hitting leadoff, the more I'm going to be questioning it on Cora. Yeah, he part. likes him, and, and he, Gary, here's the things that that. We're talking about this now. Jaron Duran or Franchi Cordero is going to be up, and Danny Santana isn't going to be on the team. So yeah. probably isn't that far down the road. And now it would be interesting because if you talk about trade deadline, I do think that they need a left-handed complement at first base, some doll back, sort of like a Steve, like Steve Pierce was on the, from the right side. And, um, and I do think they need that. And right now, that's Danny Santana and Marwood Gonzalez, both who can't hit. But, you know, that's what I would say they would need. Good luck finding it, but that's what I think they need. Yeah, I mean, I don't – it'll be interesting to see if how they go about addressing that and who that person could be. But I think you're right. I think that could really, really just take the offense, especially to the next level. And I think – 
that, you know, I think there's a lot of people right now that look at how this lineup is constructed. And, you know, you have that heart of the lineup, the, you know, the JD, Xander, Raphael Devers, and Alex Verdugo will add to that group too. Like those four are the guys that you know are going to pretty consistently be able to hit. And then Hunter Renfro, I mean, for the most part, I, I actually kind of like him and what I've seen from him. He was somebody coming in that I wasn't sure of because I wanted to just see what he could do here. But I think, and obviously he has a great arm. Um, so that's also something that I like about him playing in the outfield. But anyway, so yeah, you have that main group in kind of the that middle of the order, but it's that, that first spot and then the very bottom of the order that are still the concerns. And I think if you can get somebody that is consistently reliable to hit lead off, I think that could just change a lot of things about how this offense is looked at for the rest of the season. The best guy in the trade market right now, he plays second base now. So I don't know like how that fits. If you can move him is Frazier from Pittsburgh. So yeah. he's a lead off hitter. He's having a great year. They're going to trade him. Um, but he's a second baseman who's played a little outfield, I think. But if you want to prioritize getting a leadoff hitter, that's the guy you go after. Um, yeah, I know the Yankees want to go after him too, or at least from what I've seen. So I'm yeah. sure there's obviously going to be other teams going after him, but if the Red Sox could somehow pull that off, then I would feel a lot more confident in that spot. Yeah, but the problem is, is that you have, you know, a Rio Arroyo, you know, it's you have obviously Hernandez plays second. I mean, you have second. Arroyo is a guy that is your second baseman right now, and not to say yeah. the same player as Frazier because Frazier's having a better year and he can hit leadoff. But it's almost like, oh, you know, it would really be really great if someone could teach him how to play first base because that's what you need. Yeah. But yeah, because then know. that way you could still pull that off and then just have just move him there and then just keep Arroyo at, at second. Yeah, listen, I mean, this is what's fun, right? Trade deadline talk. I love it. I know. I know. And it's it, it's, it's crazy that we're already at the point in the season now where we're starting to talk about those things. Oh, I talk about it in April. I love it. It's great. I, I threw out, there, like, who says no to this trade for Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates like a month oh, really? ago. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> like, okay, let's talk cheating. You know, cheating, you know, it's, like, exhausting. And, uh, you know, today the uh, – the all-star uniforms came out and everyone's yeah. killing them for that. So we could talk about that, but you know, it's like, I mean, yay. I mean, it's trade deadline. It's the fail safe. It's great. People love it. Yeah. And it's even with the all-star break, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm excited for the all-star game this year personally, but I think the fact that. Are you an all-star, pretty- you an all-star game person? So you are. I like watching it. I, I don't always vote on it every year, though, but no, I, I, I don't, do like I don't, watching I don't it. I really suspect you vote. I mean, but you like – like, so when I talked to Verdugo the other day, I said, hey, you know, how important it is to make the All-Star team, we talked a little bit about it. Obviously, for him, it's important. But he had he had said, I said, well, did you watch it? He's like, yeah, well, I watched the Home Run Derby a lot. So that's why I'm asking you, you know. It's like, well – is, do people watch the game or do they watch the home run derby? Is the home run derby still a thing? Is it get, getting old? Is it, you know, is the game getting old? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think it varies. I know a lot of people that don't really watch the all-star game and they'll only watch the home run derby. I like the all-star game better 
than the home run derby. So I, I'll watch the home run derby kind of here and there, not as intently though, but the all-star game I'll actually more than likely usually every year sit and watch from start to finish more so than the, the home run derby, I'd say. So who makes it from the Red Sox? Um, I mean, I hope that Xander no, Bogart. No, no, not hope. Who makes it? You're, you've, you're listen. You've you've established yourself as a as a keen prognosticator. So, oh yeah. Who makes it? I'm gonna say Xander, JD, and. Verdugo, that's it. No Devers? I, 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 I don't know why. I just feel like they might not vote him in. How about Barnes? <laughs> Maybe, but I still feel like people wouldn't pick him as the closer when you have players like Geraldus Chapman, who but lately I'd say Barnes has been better than Chapman. But I think according to fans – there would be other closers they would pick over Barnes. How about Garrett Richards? He's going to make it. No. Yeah, I think he'll get the most votes out of everybody. Yeah, ironically. Poor Garrett uh, Richards. Yeah, yeah. I like Garrett Richards. I actually like him as a person. <laughs> talk to him a few times. It's just like – and the thing is, I am, I, am sort of, I am sort of blown away, honestly, about how he's, he's – you know, he's not dancing around this at all. It's like, yeah, yeah, I was cheating, and now I can't cheat, and now I don't know how to pitch. I mean, I don't know what to do. You can like, tell he's completely lost without that sticky stuff. Yeah, it's literally like he's just coming out and saying it. That you know, the thing was is that the day, the day, because we had to say the interviews. JD Martinez was asked about it, and he said, "Well, I think it will help our team because our I've been talking to our pitchers, and they don't do it." And that same night was the first Garrett Richards game where he's like, ah, I can't do it. I can't do this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Obviously, J.D., of the people J.D. talked to, he did not talk to Garrett Richards. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's crazy. Man. Like, it's crazy. It's, but Yeah, I know. All the checks that they're doing now and – and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, listen, when you have Degrom comes off, and he's like, "I'm just, I mean, I'm just that good at that baseball." Yeah, when you, I mean, who do who? I bet no one. Speaking of predictions, I bet no one predicted in late June that umpires would be rubbing their hands through Max Scherzer's hair and asking Sergio Romo to take his pants off. Yeah, no. absolutely. So, not. Yeah, I mean, definitely not. No, no. I think the great, the great game of baseball. You never know what you're gonna see. So. Yeah, I know. It's 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 just it's just crazy that yeah, Max Scherzer is that video of, of Scherzer was pretty funny. Oh, it's disgust it's like, oh my goodness, the umpires aren't paid enough. He, oh. Yeah, I know. That's and true. I, I keep doing that. Like what are you gonna it's uh, forget I don't worry about it. Well we'll reconvene <laughs> on that subject another time. Yeah, I know that's because we we could go we could talk really in depth on just that subject alone, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, Matt Barnes has been surprising as a closer to me, too, this year, because before the season started, I said, well, who is going to be the closer? They don't really have anybody that's an actual closer. So who is it going to be? And then when it came out that Barnes was going to be the closer, I mean, at first I was a little bit concerned about that because I said, I, I don't 
based on what we've seen from Matt Barnes, I don't know how reliable he's actually going to be in that spot, but he's been really, really good as the closer. He's somebody I actually feel good about where if we're winning by, you know, a couple runs and he comes into the game, I actually feel confident the majority of the time that he's going to close out the game. And that's just, a really good feeling to have. You're just saying that because he went to UConn. Maybe I am. Maybe I am a little bit biased towards yeah. Matt Barnes because he's a UConn guy. But you No, know, and I think Peter Fassi, the assistant hitting coach, is doing a bang-up job as well. You know, who's a UConn guy as well. So Yeah, you know. He's trying to keep it real. So it's, uh, yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, Barnes is having a great year. Completely different picture than we had seen before where, you know, he would always be nibbling. He would take forever. Now it's like, here you go. Here's my pitch. Try to hit it. It's like Little League. Here. Yeah. Here. The, kid, the big kid who's bigger than everyone else as far as everyone, here you go. Try to hit it. So this worked. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm really happy that he's been reliable in that spot for the most part. And Adovino lately has been actually better than he was at the beginning of the season. And I, he still worries me with the walks. If he can just cut down on walks, he'd be very effective, I think. But he still kind of concerns me when he comes into games a lot. He's been a lot better, and more importantly, he has the most unique tattoos on the team. You know these yeah. the three up, three down, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, 60 feet, six inches on each yeah. hand. I think that's – at least that's creative. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like an eagle on the back or, or your name on the back or whatever. It's, you know, it's like at least it's creative. Yeah, I know. It's, it's fun to look at. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it looked like he like forgot something like on the grocery list, and he wrote it down. But no, those are tattoos. Yes, and saved it permanently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was surprised the Yankees even traded him within the division, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they, they they just didn't want to pay that salary anymore. But no, I think no. he's I think he's helped us. I mean, especially lately as he's been better, I feel better about seeing him come into games now. Matt Andres, though, I will say I am kind of over him. I mean, he's just struggled so much this season. Sorry, I can't see without my glasses. Um, the uh, Yeah, it's no, he's, again, a good guy, great first month, not happening, not happening right now. I, I don't know. I mean, we might get to a point where you have guys like Andres and Richards and some of these other guys where you have to say, and, and they're on, you know, these one-year deals. I know they have options, but one-year deals and just say, Hey, listen, you know, we appreciate it, but it's not working out, especially when sale comes back. Right. So yeah. teams rarely do that because they're so paranoid about depth. They're so paranoid. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, injuries could be really bad for a long time. They're still going to ride them out for, for a while. Yeah, so they have options and yeah. and everything. I mean, and, and Tanner Houck, I think when he comes back up, too, I'm excited to see how they utilize him when he comes up. Yeah, I mean, that's he's a huge part of the equation, no question. And he looked really good. I saw him pitch in Worcester the other day. He looked really, really good. So – they need them. They don't have a lot of depth, like you said. So, I, you know, I, it's it's such a weird team. It is such yeah, – like, here it is in synopsis. It is 2021 Red Sox, a really weird team, you know? Yeah. They're weird, <laughs> good, you know, I guess. And, uh, yeah, 
So it's it, that makes your prediction even more powerful. Congratulations. Thank you. I think uh, maybe the team saw my prediction and they when they uh, said, you know, this girl believes in us, so let's prove to her that we can well, win. They admitted it. They admitted like no one thought we could do it. No one they thought we could do it. Dot dot dot. Except for Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. They need to see. They need to see my uh, my Twitter yeah. post from a while back during spring training. When Honestly, I said like, yes, what you gonna say? You gonna say, you know, say the the under under your logo said the only person that predicted the Red Sox would be good. Now, who knows if it's true? But if you say it, it must be true. It's like when I do the pregame show every single day. I say, here comes the best three minutes of your day. Now, is it? I don't know, but I said it, so it must be true. So there you go. Mark, yeah, again, yeah, Mark 101. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, they can call me like the Red Sox guru or something like yeah, that. There you go. That's I my like new it. nickname. I like it. I like it. But I am yeah. going to computer battery is going to die any second, so – yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking some Red Sox with me. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And and this was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, of course. Anytime. Anytime. We'll reconvene, like you said. And um, I will make sure that the show gets a, a shout out. We have two uh, live BP baseball shows on the weekend on WEI with Steve Peralta. And so I will make sure that uh, we get give the show a shout out um, some point this weekend. So. Oh, thank you! I really appreciate that. Yeah, I had Steve on the show too once. So yes. yeah, yeah, he, I appreciate you giving it a shout out. You taught him how to say uh, Nathan Avaldi's last name. If nothing else in my world, I I did that. So. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, yes, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Boston Balling. I always appreciate the constant support. Hope everyone has a great rest of the week and weekend. And I'll talk to you all next time. Have a good one.